Welcome to the E-Reads Podcast, the place where I discuss books, creativity, and all things authorship. My name is Liz, and welcome to the show. Elizabeth Thomas joins me this episode, and we explore all the different formats she has published to in her process of choosing which format is best for a novel or a book or a short story, Um, whether that is serialized fiction, traditional, or a mix of both. So here's a little bit about Elizabeth before we get started. Elizabeth Thomas was born and raised in Mount Clemens, Michigan, but she now resides near Austin, Texas. She obtained both her bachelor's and master's degree from the University of Michigan, and she has known she was a writer since the age of nine. Her works in multiple genres include Arden's Act, Confessions of a Mixed-Up Weasel Hater, Crossings, Short Fiction by Elizabeth Thomas, Apologia, Diogens, and Analysis of the Character Diogens Hindegast in the fiction of Preston and Child. She is also the author of the Kindle Bella series, Notes from Midnight Throne and The White Squirrel. So now that you know a little bit about Elizabeth, let's have a quick ad before we jump right into the episode. Hey, puzzle people, I am here to tell you about Wongo Puzzles. They are 100% wooden puzzles. They'll last forever. Each piece is hand-drawn, so no two pieces are the same, and you'll discover some fun, whimsy pieces as you work through it. They come in a custom wooden box that is perfect for storage and gifting. Some of the designs include animals, some that look like abstract art, buildings, nature, they have whatever you are into, so definitely check them out. With stunning designs and unique shapes, Wongo puzzles are a cut above the rest. I loved doing the snow globe puzzle myself. It was great to pull out a puzzle and be done in a night and not have it on the table for a week. So what are you waiting for? Go to wongopuzzles.com and pick your puzzle today and be sure to use the promo code EREADSPOD10 to get 10% off your order. This is the most fun you've had with a puzzle guaranteed or your money back. Go to W-O-N-G-O puzzles.com and use the code EREADSPOD10 that's E-R-E-A-D-S P-O-D-10 to get 10% off your order and get puzzling right now. So welcome, Elizabeth. How are you? I am fine. Lovely. And so I'm excited to have you on the podcast and to welcome you. I'm going to ask you a question. And that question is, which format do you prefer? Do you prefer an audiobook, an ebook, or a traditional book? Um, usually a traditional book, but more paperback because hardcovers are a little bit heavy. Very, If you're reading in bed, it's very hard to hold them up yeah. uh, for, for any length of time. Um, but on the other hand, I do like the e-books because my e-reader is backlit. And I don't have to have the right lighting or anything. I can just read it from the e-reader. 
in uh, kind of it, it's good because you can read in the dark but as you were talking about like the the paperback and like the hardcover like you know like you're reading and sometimes the page doesn't want to stay <laughs> right worry about that when you have an e-reader uh no no it's <laughs> not usually not a problem <laughs> absolutely and you know um you have been writing a very long time. When did you get started? I started when I was nine years old. And where did that love begin for you? Well, I, I, um, I like, I loved reading and, um, I had, I was a little kind of, you know, ahead of, ahead of things with reading. And so I'd finished a, a, a really good, uh, chapter book that I wanted to have a story like that and to read and I couldn't find one. So I just started writing one. Literally the, the quote, you know, if, if you, there's not a book you want to read, you know, write it. Write it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And then, and then through, you know, like grade school, I had, I had one teacher that was really big on letting us do creative writing every Tuesday. And really? we would get to take our stories and read them in front of the class. And we had all of these serials going and it was great. (laughs) (laughs) So you were doing serialized reading back then. Yes. Yes, I was. Interesting. So was it a big jump to go to Kindle Vella, Amazon serialized reading platform? Well, it was, you know, it was a couple of decades away (laughs) <laughs> I hadn't done it in a very long time, but, you know, I, I just told myself, well, Dickens used to do this, so it it must be a good thing to do. Absolutely. And, you know, as someone, you, you write and you have formats in, in the ebook, in, in physical copy, in serialized reading, you know, how do you know what story needs to be in what format? Like, you know, do you kind of, what's your process like in deciding like, okay, like this needs to be on Amazon and this need, I mean, on Kindle Vela or this needs to be an ebook. What does that look like for you? Well, I generally, I, I don't think it was okay. There's a few very short things that I've written that I've only done ebooks on, but for the most part, as long as it's a book length story and with me, it usually is. Um, I do both. Okay. Yeah. That's a good point in thinking about the length and approaching it that way. Right. So like, um, because I, you know, like in terms of like for Amazon, um, cause you also do short stories. So like on Amazon, there's, it needs to be a certain length before it can be a, the, a, a paperback book. And so it's interesting, um, I didn't immediately think about it in terms of length and using that as a tool to decide what format this needs to be in. Yeah. If I want a paperback, I got to make sure it's, it's either a long enough story or in, in one instance, I published a paperback collection of, of about seven of my short stories. Really? And are those all, cause you do historical, are they all historical? What, what genre? No, no. Well, the, the, the ones in the, the 
collection, which is called uh, Crossings, there, there are several different genres. There's, there are some that are quite contemporary, and then there are some, like there's this one about, you know, my dad's favorite story in the book is that when he was a young man during the early 60s, around the time I'd been born. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I suppose it's historical in that way. Mm. In that it, it goes back to the 60s. And then I have this other one that that does go back quite a way, even though it's a story about um, reincarnation, the place where the main character starts out is back in the 1700s. Really? Yeah. Interesting. So you also have a historical romance out, is that correct? That is correct. Please tell us about this novel. Well, this one is, um, it's pretty steamy. There's, I, I wouldn't want anybody to wander into it thinking they were just going to get like sweet little hugs and kisses. Uh, but it is set during the English Restoration, which is like 1660, which is when the first women were starting to appear on the British stage. Mm -hmm. Because prior to that, say in Shakespeare's time, um, it was all men and they wore drag to do the female parts. But, but now they actually had women playing the women in the plays so that's interesting i found that yeah a really interesting period to work with absolutely absolutely and you know how did you kind of uh, and in this uh, the historical that is uh an ebook am i correct or is that on kindle bella uh, it is not. It's not on Bella. It is an ebook and paperback and even a hardcover because you can make. Uh, there's a, like a beta program to try out hardcovers on Amazon, and I decided to do that for for this one, which is called Arden's Act. Mm. And for Arden's Act, um, what made you choose to play around with the hardcover uh, versus just keeping it as an ebook and also doing paperback? Well, it was the cover that I had made for it. I just thought it was so pretty that I thought it would be beautiful for a hardcover. Oh, wow. Yeah. And and just for the for the thrill of having something in hardcover that that I had written, you know. Mhm. Again, interesting, you know, thought process to kind of think of um for lack of a better word, I'll say like the technical aspects of writing, right? So thinking in terms of length as a way to determine if this needs to be just an ebook or a novella or a paperback. And again, to think about the, the, the cover and what would most make that shine and be appealing. Um, it just kind of, again, gets my mind thinking. I think sometimes we talk about writing and we really focus on the creative and all these different things are creative, but really thinking about all the different tools to help guide you through this process. I mean, it does still start with the story. I mean, Arden's act is, is fairly long novel. So mm -hmm. I, I completely felt comfortable, you know, putting it in paperback and, and 
I will be honest. I tried to, I tried to get it published traditionally, mm-hmm. and and I got a lot of interest on it. But it doesn't follow the the formulaic yeah. romance story because she she honestly is involved with three different men during the course of the book. Really. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, some of I she had she has her reasons and she and she loved all of them in her way. But and and she does well, no, I don't want to give away the ending. That would be not terribly <laughs> no. smart. Yeah. For me after. <laughs> it, it, it interesting. And so um is there anything else like if someone's like okay like I'm not really into romance you know is this a novel for them like who is the ideal person that you think will enjoy this novel well I was interviewed by a couple of nice British ladies I can't remember their their the name of their podcast I think it was called Bear Books mm-hmm. uh, and they both read it before they interviewed me and and they said they didn't really see it as strictly a romance, that it read like a straight historical book to them. Interesting. Even with all the sex scenes. But. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I think if you like historical fiction, it's, it's, a, good bo- it's a good book as well. Mm, I love a good historical um, I'm, I'm interested to pick your brain in, in writing the different sex scenes that you, you mentioned are steamy. How was that for you? Was it easy to go there? Did it feel awkward? Well, it was easy to go there, but, you know, that was back when my mother was still alive and having, having my relatives read it was kind of a different thing, <laughs> <laughs> but the actual writing was fine. <laughs> I think that's a good point, right? Sometimes it's not the act of the writing that's just like, oh, wait, like I'm actually going to have mom or this person read it. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there, there's this conversation that my mother told me about that her sister, my Aunt Clara, was like, I didn't know Elizabeth knew about, you know, <laughs> fill, in the, fill in the blank, you know? <laughs> and my mother said, Elizabeth is French. She knows everything. <laughs> love that I love that um <laughs> and, and tell us a little bit more about some of the projects that you know that you have available that people can 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 read and consume by you well I also have a collection of short stories uh called crossings there it's in several different genres um and the idea of crossings is it's about pushing boundaries and you know there's there's some transgression of sorts in every every story there or or a or a going over a boundary like in this one story i have that's that's about reincarnation it's the boundary between life and death and, mm. um and it's the boundary between and you know like certain taboos of violence in, in one of one of the stories but but 
Mm, interesting. Would you say that's kind of like a, a theme throughout your different novels, kind of like this boundary pushing? Um, yeah, yeah, I, I think it is. I think it is. Um, and even, even my, kin my Kindle Vela, my Kindle, Kindle Vela offerings, the one that I started with is called Notes from the Midnight Throne. Mm -hmm. And it's about life as a middle-aged woman mm. and it's it's not it's not the kind of writing I usually do it was really pushing the envelope for me and I've like I've gotten comparisons to like Irma Bombeck meets um John dies at the end kind of comparisons so that that that's been fun for me interesting absolutely like you know so again no matter what someone's reading pleasure is you have all these different formats and you have all these different genres um you know um if someone was kind of listening and they're just like yeah like I don't know where to start I don't know if I should do something serialized I don't know if I should do an ebook a hardcover like what advice would you have for them in, in trying to figure out how do they navigate this book process? Well, I, I mean, I still have not given up on the idea of being traditionally published. And in fact, the first version of Arden's Act was chosen by an independent publisher and mm -hmm. did get published by someone else, but then the company went under and I got the rights back and I kind of redid it in my own way. Mm -hmm. it, but if you have something that is non-traditional um, and you don't think it's, it's really a candidate for traditional publishing, mm -hmm. um, that's a good thing to do as a as a uh, Vela serial, because Kindle Vela will let you republish it again as a book once it's fin been finished for a month. As long as you say this was originally done as a Kindle Vela story, you know, so that you give them their publicity, and then you can just go ahead and market it. I, I like the thought of like if you're feeling like all right, the, I don't know if this is traditional. I don't know if I'm going to find someone start, you know, using it at Envela like that. And absolutely, uh, you know, personally, I think that has been kind of really helpful. It's just, you know, you get the story out and you mm -hmm. can get some feedback and see like, okay, you know, it, it gives you a little bit more information. Oh, it's like, it's like you get paid for having beta readers. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that is a really good way of putting it. And um, yeah, I, I have this other Kindle Vela that's uh, more of a traditional fantasy. Yeah. But I had I had worked on it in a writer's group a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And they kind of like, oh, you really need to 
you need to know about all these battle scenes and all this tactical strategy. And I'm like, (laughs) and I'm like, like, no, I'm going to tell it my own way and I'm going to put it on Bella. And the other, the other great thing I think uh, Kindle Bella helps with is it motivates you to write. I, you know, I unfortunately still have to have a day job Mm -hmm. and sometimes getting the motivation to actually get the words down on paper uh, is not the easiest thing in the world. And this, by having it be serialized and in parts, you're like, well, okay, I can get a chapter up or what they call an episode, Mm -hmm. you know, and this way I am eventually, I'm going to complete these books a lot faster than I would have otherwise. And I'll have two, I'll have two books to market. Absolutely. Right. So I think it definitely takes almost like the fear out of it because it's like, okay, you, instead of you thinking about, I need to get this whole entire book out, I just need to get one episode or like you said, one chapter out. So I think it definitely makes it a, an easier endeavor. Yeah, it, it really is a good like stepping stone process. Mm-hmm. And so Elizabeth, as, as people want to step in and connect with you, how can they find your, your works, your books? Well, they're all on Amazon. Um, and, uh, look me up as Elizabeth Thomas, and and the titles we've talked about are Arden's Act, Crossings. I also have I don't know. I also have this my best selling book. Yeah, that has sold the most is actually I was able to do because of the kindness of two major major authors. Um, have you heard of Doug Preston and Lincoln Child's Pendergast series? No, tell me more. Well, they have this kind of really eccentric detective and he's from this old New Orleans family that is also very eccentric. His great aunt poisoned her kids. and <laughs> And... and his younger brother is a psychopathic serial killer and <laughs> and really really awesome characters and i i fell in love with their villain his his younger brother the the serial killer and i wrote a literary analysis of his character in the series yeah. with the with the author's permission, and it's yeah. called Apologia Diogenes because the character's Diogenes Pendergast, and that has sold a lot in in the what what I call the Pendergast community because we all have like a little fan club and we meet whenever there's a book release and we call it PenderCon and we have <laughs> we have a blast. Yeah, yeah, the whole nerding out thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness please send that link over and uh, I, will, I will i will yeah yeah and then of course my vellas um everything i write is under under elizabeth thomas and my my vellas are notes from the midnight throne mm-hmm. and the white squirrel that's the fantasy oh my goodness it, it, definitely an extensive career um, I cannot wait to check out um, all all of your different you know, novels and things that you have 
Um, Elizabeth, please, any last words that you want to leave us with before I ask my last question? Oh, and they're all on Kindle Unlimited, too, if you... Oh, nice. Yeah. Except the villas, obviously, but... Very cool. Um, any last words that you want to leave uh, readers with? Or hmm. aspiring writers? Aspiring writers. Well, uh, persistence is everything. Mm. And and you are you are on the brink of a great new opportunity in that independent uh self-publishing is becoming more and more accepted. It, there was a great taboo against it, but it's becoming more a part of popular fiction and the publishing industry. Mm, absolutely. You know, any reminder to remember not to give up, I think is always valuable. Elizabeth, my last question is, um, I like to leave people with a prompt. It could be a word, it could be a phrase, but something that leaves us inspired to create, whether that is cooking, writing, music, art, whatever our creative process might look like. And so if you had to leave us with a word or a phrase, what would it be? I would do something silly or I would say something silly like squirrel, just because <laughs> I do I do have the white squirrel, which is, uh, a, a silly idea for a character, but I still think it's a good story. Oh, that is so fun. Listeners, listen to hear what I do with the prompt squirrel. Stay tuned to the end of this episode. I am really excited to see where that takes me. Um, <laughs> the last couple prompts have been a little on like the heavy side. So it's really fun to, to hear squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth, thank you. You have been a wonderful guest. Uh, listen, please, uh, if you have anything else coming out, please stop by and, and share it with us. All right. Larry sits atop a tall tree that overlooks a residential area. To his left, a crow perches on a power line, fluttering up and down. Larry shakes his head commenting on how squirrels are often thought of as restless creatures, but he himself is content to just sit still and ponder life's mysteries. Larry is not a regular squirrel. Ever since he was a baby, he has been told he is highly intellectual and ponders things unlike other squirrels. However, like every squirrel, Larry has one weakness, nuts. As he ponders the meaning of life, the sound of laughter draws his attention. He perks up. Listening to humans is how he became so smart. But today, it is not their conversation that makes his tail twitch. It is the canister of peanuts lying on the ground next to the chattering people. Larry feels his miniature tongue moisten and his tail twitch left and right. But it is when the people go inside and leave the jar of nuts that Larry goes crazy. He shoots down the tree quicker than a burst of lightning. When he grasps the jar, his eyes widen and turn glassy. He tries twisting, but he is not strong enough. Finally, he can take it no more and he bites down. But his little squirrel teeth get stuck. 
Oh no, he cries, pulling and shaking, but his teeth won't budge. What are you doing? Larry and the peanut jar swivel to see the voice. The crow from the power line hops closer. Help, Larry cries, half in tears. No worries, I'll hop on top and you pull away as hard as you can. Larry does his best to nod, his ear twitching as he hopes the people will not come out. The crow hops on top and counts. One, two, three. Larry pulls away and tumbles across the porch. Thank you, he shouts, running back to the jar. The crow peers over Larry's shoulder as he stretches his arm deep into the jar. He lifts on his toes to get closer, then he grabs his prize. When he removes the nut, he nestles it close. Can I have one? The crow asks. Larry looks at him, then back at the salty nut. No, he says, then grabs a handful more and runs up the tree.